If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Here we go. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Royal Caribbean's Odyssey of the Seas on this week's show. Plus, staff writer Richard Sims is here with Cruise News. Cruise Radio News, Monday through Friday, the top three cruise stories to start your day. It can be found just opposite of this channel at Cruise Radio News or on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. All right, staff writer Richard Sims is here. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. So Carnival Cruise Line is bringing two more ships to North America, but it's under a unique concept. I am so excited about this. So they're calling it. Costa by Carnival. As you know, Costa Cruises is a subsidiary of the larger Carnival Corporation. So they are bringing over two of their ships, Costa Venezia, and, you know, I am not Italian, so my pronunciation is not going to be great here, and the Costa Forenzi. They are bringing these two ships over, and they are going to have them sailing out of North America. The first ship, Venezia, is going to sail out of New York City, which is, of course, my home port, so I'm really looking forward to getting a new option out of New York, while the other will start sailing out of Long Beach. Venezia will start sailing in the spring of 2023. What's going to happen is basically they have to cancel some cruises that are booked over in Italy. Then they will take the ships, move them into dry dock, and once they come out of dry dock, they'll move over here. What's interesting is we think of all cruise ships as being alike, but all you have to do is look at some of the pictures from this, and it definitely is not the same, even though they are the same class. It's a Vista-class ship, so it's the same as like Panorama and Vista and Horizon. It's the same basic model, but it's, you know, this is like Italian. You know, the pictures of the atrium and the promenade with its marble walk, and it's just absolutely incredible and beautiful, and I can't wait to see it. These will, like I said, One will start sailing in the spring of 2023. The other is going to join a year behind that, and that will be out of Long Beach, California. Have you done either of these ships, Doug? I haven't done either of those. I've done uh, Costa Toscana, which is uh, one of their new Excel-class ships like Carnival's Mardi Gras, and I've done some older Costa ships about a decade or so ago. But no, But I'm looking at these photos here for um, Venezia, and this thing is beautiful. Yeah, I absolutely can't wait. You know, we'll get more details, obviously, about what venues they're going to keep on board, what they're going to change. I'm assuming that when they go into dry dock, it won't be to do any kind of massive refurb or anything because, you know, the ship is only a few years old. It came out in 2019. So this will probably be more little things like, you know, signage and and maybe some refreshing, but nothing major, which means, you know, that's one of the reasons I think that they're selling this as Costa by Carnival. And they're, they're making clear that, you know, this is a ship that originally sailed in Italy so that you're going to get this, like, kind of 
Italian experience more so than just having like, you know, Cucina del Capitano on board. You're going to get like the real kind of Italian experience on this ship. I'm super psyched about this. I wonder how much of this is trying to compete with MSC, you know, being so aggressive here in the North American market. I wonder, you know, that doesn't feel like a factor to me simply because if you look at MSC, you know, one of the biggest complaints MSC has had against it pretty much from the beginning when it broke into the market was that it is so different, that it's like European style sailing and there are, you know, many, many changes. This sounds more like, you know, Carnival is a company that has a lot of experience in the American market, obviously. So I think that they will be able to better adapt and say, yes, it's an Italian ship and it's got all these Italian touches to it, but we're going to give you an American experience. You know, we're sailing out of North America, so you're going to have the experience you expect on a North American ship, which MSC, when it broke into the market, they didn't have that experience. And so you heard a lot of complaints about things like the food and the, you know, the announcements being in different languages and things like that. I have a feeling Carnival's, you know, the experience of bringing these two ships into the Carnival fleet is going to go a lot smoother. And one cruise line that was ready to be beached is going to sail again. Yeah, the long and winding road that saw Crystal Cruise ships basically becoming fugitives. You'll remember they, the parent company went bankrupt and they owed lots of money to fuel distributors. So instead of bringing their ships back to Florida where they would be seized, they took them to Nassau and they had to ferry the passengers back. And it was this whole big thing. And after that, it became a question of what would happen to their two ships, the Crystal Serenity and the Crystal Symphony. They went up for auction, but there was always the option that if they didn't bring at auction the price that they needed to bring to be profitable, that they might you know, be sold for scrap or something. Well, good news. A company has stepped in and they have bought not only the ships, but basically they came in and bought Crystal Cruises lock, stock, and barrel. They bought the name so that they can continue to sail the ships under the same name. Uh, and it sort of helps them keep that reputation as well. It's a company called Abercrombie and Kent or A&K Travel, uh, which is not the same thing as Abercrombie and Fitch, I found out when I was researching. They're two completely different things. But this company does have a lot of experience, or at least the people running it have experience with luxury cruises. They did, I believe it was Silver Seas, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a former Silver Sea founder and chairman. Yeah, so they've got that experience behind them. They know the luxury market. It's not like they're just going to come in, buy the crystal name, and then, you know, slap slap some cheap sailings onto it. They actually know what they're doing. They're going to continue the line and the heritage that they already have. We don't know exactly where the ships will be sailing from or to, for that matter. We don't know itineraries, and we don't even know exactly when they'll start sailing. We do know that both ships are expected to be sailing sometime in 2023. But the really good part of this is that they did buy the entire company. It wasn't just, you know, the two ships. So it looks like Crystal Cruises and the people who love it will be able to sail and be reunited again. Yeah, and plus, not a bad deal. Two ships for $128 million. Now, they're older ships, but still not a bad deal. No, I guess our bid, we put in, what was ours? Like $110? Yeah, I think we something got very small. And the new Disney ship, remember, it was delayed for 12 sailings uh, because of shipyard delays like everyone else these days. But it is finally here in Florida. 
yep, it arrived in Port Canaveral this week. And, you know, even though it happened like really early in the morning, they did the ceremonial blasts of water cannons and all that stuff to welcome the ship. This is, you know, another part of the Disney fleet. And Disney Wish is going to be offering three and four night itineraries to the Bahamas with stops at their private island, Castaway Cay, which is incredibly popular with Disney passengers. Her inaugural sailing from the port will be on July 14th. So if you're looking to sail Disney Wish, she's finally here. And if you've seen any of the advanced materials on it, you know, Disney, you're buying not just a cruise, but sort of a combination of a cruise and a Disney World experience. And you know, you know, you've got the characters and all that. This is elevated to a whole new level. Some of the interactive features that this ship is going to have are just mind-blowing. Even if you don't have kids, this would be a ship that would definitely be worth checking out. Although, obviously, it's an ideal vacation for your entire family. Yeah, the Star Wars bar looks cool. Very cool, with like the the screens broadcasting, you know, ships doing battle outside and things Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, Yeah. there's a lot about this ship that uh, it, it really, you know, you pay more for a Disney cruise, quite a bit more. They're significantly more expensive than, say, you know, a Carnival or a Norwegian cruise. But it is a heightened experience all around. And I always say you get to save a little money because there's no casino. So there is that. And a Carnival Corporation brand, this is over in Europe, they're dropping the pre-cruise testing requirement on one of its ships, but only as a trial. Yeah, exactly. I guess this isn't terribly surprising since we've seen, you know, the health and safety protocols being adapted constantly, pretty much since they've been introduced. But this is a big one. P&O, which is, like you said, a division of Carnival Corporation, they sent a letter to guests saying that they were going to not need to be tested for cruises aboard the Iona. Now, this is only from June 25th to July 23rd of this year. So it's, you know, just a couple of sailings on only this ship, the Iona. So don't listen to this and think, you know, if you're going on Carnival Breeze next week, you don't need to be tested. You do. This is one ship that they're testing. Obviously, what they want to do is drop the testing requirements and see what the results are. Do they see an increase in passengers being infected with COVID during the trip? You know, what is, how does it impact people's decision whether or not to sail? You know, that's going to become a bigger and bigger issue in the weeks and months ahead, because as cruise lines start lessening their requirements to get on board, some people might say, you know, I'm not comfortable with that. Or yeah, I've been waiting for this. Let me get me on that ship. You know, I mean, like I personally am to the point where I don't think if they said you don't need vaccines or or requirements to get on board, I don't think I would feel comfortable sailing right now, but I'm not 100% sure. But of course, there are a lot of people who have been waiting for exactly this, for cruise lines to start pulling things back and getting us even more back to a sense of normalcy and things going back to the way they were, you know, pre-pandemic, pre-shutdown, all of that. So this is a test and it will be really interesting and we will keep you updated as we hear more about what the results of this test were. Yeah, and obviously this is a lot more than just a Carnival Corporation saying, hey, we're going to drop this on one sailing because they're going to Norway and Norway had to sign off on this too. So more people are in agreement to them saying, hey, you know what? We can let you test this to see how it goes. And I guess someone had to be the first to drop the flag, right? Yeah, completely. And it'll be very closely watched. You know, this is sort of the opposite of what or maybe it's the same as what we saw as 
cruise ships were starting to inch their way back, you know, American cruise lines really had their eye on cruises out of other countries where they started before we did. And we were able to look at them and say, okay, let's learn from what they're doing. Same thing here. You know, the Iona will be a test case and we'll get to see exactly what the results are. And Norwegian Cruise Line has sure had their share of delays during the launch of Norwegian Prima, but now a second ship is going to be delayed. Yeah, you know, not too long ago, Norwegian said that the inaugural sailings of the Prima, which is the first in her class, the new Prima class, that they were going to be delayed due to supply chain issues. You know, and a lot of people have been having issues with that. Well, right about then, when they made that announcement, I said to myself, self, if I had reservations on the inaugural sailing of her sister ship, Viva, I think I'd probably be assuming that that was going to be canceled. And sure enough, here we are this week with the second ship in the Prima class seeing at least her first two voyages canceled. We'll have to see if it goes beyond that or if that's the only cancellations that we have as they deal with, you know, right now it's supply chain issues. But we also know that all of the lines are having issues with getting crew members back on board because of visas and things. Things like that. So it'll be interesting to see whether it's only these initial sailings that are delayed or it becomes a further problem as we move on and we see the, you know, the the launch or the inaugural sailings pushed back even further. And Linda has our listener question. Email yours to Doug at cruiseradio.net. We are looking to try our first celebrity cruise next year and are currently pricing them out. I know it's all-inclusive pricing, but the only issue is we gave up drinking years ago. Is there a way to get a lower fare if we want to opt out of the drink package? Definitely. So this is something I only recently learned myself. So if you watch, you know, the advertisements or read the various media around celebrity cruises, a big deal has been made about the fact that they have their always included program, which means as part of your cruise package, you get the drink package, you get your tips paid, you get free Wi-Fi. But not everybody wants that, you know, like Linda and her family, they don't drink, so they don't necessarily want the drink package. There might be people who are like, you know, we're kind of totally disconnect. We don't want the Wi-Fi. So while that is the common package, the package that has all of those things included, you can also get just a cruise-only rate, which is exactly what it sounds like. You know, your typical cruise-only fare. It does not include your Wi-Fi. It doesn't include drinks. Uh, it doesn't include your included tips. You can also get a bigger package. You know, if you want the premium drink package or maybe you want more internet, they have a package above the always included package. And in fact, you can even go beyond that and there's a package called Indulge, which is basically everything you could ever want. It probably includes somebody coming to your room and cleaning your toenails at night, maybe. I don't know. Um, so even though it sounds as if this is the only package available and that everything is always included, it's a great marketing campaign because people do want things included in their price of their fare. We hear that on every earnings call that one of the things the cruise lines hear is they want more all-inclusive packages. People want to get on that ship and have everything paid for. But if you're not one of those people and you don't want that, you do have the option of taking one of these other packages. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. I'd had no clue about that either. So we both learned something. Linda, I hope that answered your question. Been talking with staff writer Richard Sims. Richard, as always, thanks, my friend. As always, glad to be here. Have a question or a comment for the show? Yeah! Send an email or voice memo to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. 
Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Breaking news as it happens. Online and on demand at cruiseradio.net. So Crystal and her family just returned from a six-night cruise on Royal Caribbean's Odyssey of the Seas. It left from Port Everglades down in South Florida, and it went to Cozumel, Costa Maya, and Perfect Day. Crystal joins us on the line. How you doing, Crystal? Doing great, Doug. How are you? Good. Great to talk to you again. Uh, finally talking about cruises and the return to cruises, which is uh, always a good thing to talk about. So before we get to the ship itself, let's get some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this six-nighter out of Port Everglades? So we booked this cruise when Royal was having their double crown and anchor points offer back. I think you had to have booked before like September 2021. And you have to sail by December 2022. So we booked a bunch of cruises during that, a bunch of junior suites. So you actually get four points per night during that promotion for a junior suite. It's also a quantum ultra class ship, which has Coastal Kitchen, which I can talk about later, but junior suite for the points and also the ability to eat in, in Coastal Kitchen for dinner, like that was all she wrote, I was told. Yep. <laughs> Very nice. So you're up in the Chicago area and you make your way down to Port Everglades. Any pre-cruise time? No, we flew in late on Saturday night, just went to the hotel, slept, woke up, headed to the ship. Very nice. And you make your way to the terminal. Are they using Terminal 18 at Port Everglades for Odyssey? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a pretty sophisticated terminal there. How was your embarkation? Pretty smooth. I mean, the longest wait time was actually before getting into the port, passing through security. That was the first time I had experienced like a long wait in the Uber. They check every car that comes through. But we got there right right about at our boarding time, which was 1130, and just sailed right through pretty much. Nice. About how long would you say it took from the curb to the ship? Uh, maybe 15 minutes. And that wow. was because for some reason, they needed to input everybody's... There was something about everyone's vaccination cards... It seemed like they were putting in a, an extra layer of detail that I thought I had put in mm -hmm. on the app when I checked in. But for some reason, they were doing it again. Yeah, and you very well could have. There could have been like a glitch or something. How much of the pre-cruise, I guess, check-in process, um, like the more you do in advance, the easier it is for you to get through and right onto the ship? Oh, yeah. I almost exclusively now just do it all through the app. You take your picture mm -hmm. on the app so that they don't have to take your picture for your card. Yeah. The CPAS card. Gotcha. I do it all on the app. Okay. Very good. You make your way on board Odyssey. What were your first impressions? It's a beautiful ship. I mean, this is not the first time we've sailed Quantum Class. So we knew the ship. It was really familiar. We've sailed Ovation before and um, Anthem. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that They've got the big, you know, promenade and big open spaces. And yeah, we love this. We love the ship, the Cplex and 
bumper cars, all that yeah. good stuff. We love it. Yeah, the whole nine yards there. Talk to us about this junior suite you booked, and uh, how was it during your six nights on board? I love the junior suite, especially with kids, because of the added space. You know, a lot of people will debate whether or not when you have two kids, when they start to get older, you know, do you get adjoining rooms? Or do you get like a larger suite? And what I like about the suite over the adjoining rooms is you have the coffee maker in your room. So like I was making espressos all day long for myself. Uh Um, On this class of ship, you have one and a half bathrooms. So even though you don't have two showers, you still have like two bathrooms where people can get dressed, brush their teeth, you know, do whatever they need to do. You've got a big balcony, so you you know can stretch out. You've got like full size change lounge on the balcony. Like I said before, I get to eat dinner in Coastal Kitchen, which is by far probably my favorite restaurant on any Royal Caribbean ship is Coastal Kitchen. So um, so overall, I really like the Junior Suite, and like and and like I said, normally when you book a Junior Suite or any suite class, you get two points per night, and then when this with this um, promotion, we get four points a night. So the junior suite was a no-brainer for me. What makes the Coastal Kitchen like your favorite? Like, what is it about that restaurant? It's the service. And on this ship, which is a little bit different than other times I've done Coastal Kitchen, they have a couple of items that are on the main dining room menu. Like they had like the, I think it's like a New York strip and some kind of chicken and the French onion soup. And that's every night, just like in the dining, just like in the main dining room. But then they also have three or four entrees, main courses, and desserts that are different. And they say it's Coastal California. I don't know if it's Coastal California, but it is good. I mean, the food is really, really outstanding. You have one waiter who, just like in the main dining room, gets to know you really, really well, but doesn't have as many tables. Then there's a head waiter, and then there's kind of like the, the the greeter who takes care of the reservations and you know sends you you know takes you to your table they all work very well together and they get to know you really well and just the combination i just i love it in fact i told my husband when we were done that the next time we're on a ship with coastal kitchen and we're having dinner there i don't need specialty dining yeah. like I, I would just rather eat at Coastal Kitchen. Nice. So aside from Coastal Kitchen, what other perks did you get um, aside from like that and the four points per night for staying in a junior suite? I mean, for a coffee drinker, I think the espresso machine, it's like a Lavazza espresso machine. So that's a big perk because if, you know, if you're not getting a drink package, which we don't, then you don't have to spend, you don't have to get the little drink card to get coffee. You know, you can go to the dining room and pick up, you know, some milk or they'll even bring you, you know, in the morning, you can ask room service to, to bring you like some some creamer or some milk for your coffee, whatever you need. The stateroom attendant refills the little, they're not K-cups, but they're kind of like K-cups. The stateroom attendant refills those. So you, you could be drinking, you know, espresso as many as you want all day long. Nice. Those look, they look like little baby thumbs, right? Like thimbles, the little pods yeah, you put in yeah, there. Yeah, like a yeah. little yeah, a little fatter and flatter mm-hmm. than that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and it's good coffee. Nice. That can break or make a day there. Good coffee in the morning, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I really like this class. What they did was because my girls are they don't love sleeping in the same bed, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you have four when you have four people in one room, two people in that pull out couch, they're basically sharing a queen size bed. Sure. 
but this one has like a trundle. So you don't have to lift it up. So really they were like in two separate twin beds. Nice. There you go. So Yeah. And it just gives you more room and a bigger balcony. I think the junior suite is worth the extra expense. And it's when you compare it to two connecting staterooms, I think it's really comparable. The price is really comparable. And I was looking to go on a cruise for next spring break. There aren't any connecting staterooms. Even if I wanted like an interior connecting stateroom, they're sold out. Well, that and two connecting staterooms ain't going to get you Coastal Kitchen either. That's right. So That's right. We yeah. have that. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about the dining experience. Speaking of Coastal Kitchen, and we'll start up at the top at the Lido deck area, which is the Windjammer on Royal Caribbean. How was the buffet up there? It's great. I really like the Windjammer. You can get everything. They're serving you still. I think I saw posting in the middle of our cruise that one ship had started to have people serve themselves, um, but that wasn't on our ship. There's a Great variety. I love that on this ship, the El Loco Fresh, which is sort of like their quick service Mexican, is right outside the Windjammer. So like I could go out and get some like Mexican flavored like meat or chicken and then bring it back in and I put that on my salad. Nice. Yeah. And they don't care. You know, they're like, yeah, fine. Bring it. Bring it. My husband would just go out and get a burrito and come back and, and have and have a uh, lunch with us. Cool. Now, do you normally cruise other lines or are you exclusively with Royal? So far, we're exclusively with Royal. Okay. We've thought about, you know, moving over. Thinking about Celebrity or Holland America, it's tough mm-hmm. with kids. Yeah. My kids age. Sure. Um, they just don't have, you know, they don't know there's no bumper cars. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, it is what it is. Right. So, yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, how about outside of the um, the buffet area? Like um, you mentioned, El Loco Fresh. Did you get to eat anywhere else? Um, we'll get to the main dining room in just a couple of. Actually, you know what? Did you even go in the main dining room since you had no. Coastal? Nope. No. We didn't go to the main dining room. Okay. Nope. And any specialty at all or just strictly... Uh, being no, bougie we, in the- we also ate at um, Cafe 270. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the roast beef sandwiches and also like really fresh salads. And um, they make specialty coffee there, too. So and sure. then you've got the amazing view that you can you go in and you eat in 270 that has that amazing view. So that's really good food. We did eat specialty dining. We had Chops Grill. We had Wonderland mm-hmm. and Tipanyaki. Okay. And those are all good. I didn't have a great experience at Chops Grill. And I think it was just like the server. We eat at Chops Grill almost every time we cruise and it's always excellent. I think they were just, they were just having an off night. Gotcha. What did you think of Wonderland? I know that uh, people have different opinions of the experience. How was yours? This isn't the first time. So we've eaten in Wonderland maybe three times before. So we know the menu. So we know the things that we like. Like the first time you go, it's really overwhelming and you really don't know. It's like, what is this food exactly? And that's when you just allow the chef and the waiter to just like bring you whatever. But we've eaten there enough times that we know what we like and we just order. Wonderland. So I'm thinking like Alice in Wonderland, like whimsical experience. Yeah. And it's the food is deconstructed in a way that you either love or hate there's this drink that comes in like a test tube that looks like water but it tastes like tomato juice and they've somehow like taken the juice out of the tomato and like and i mean i may be butchering this so you may be getting emails about like that's not what that (laughs) is but you know it's like it looks like clear water but it tastes like tomato juice and then it's got something on the top 
Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's a really interesting. It's a it's a really interesting experience. But some of the food, like they have this shrimp dish, which is like covered in um, covered in like fried noodles, mm-hmm. and that's really good. They've got a branzino, a fish that's just really really interesting. The food is good. Okay, it's good. And your teppanyaki experience? What'd you think? My teppanyaki experience, I didn't love it, and I didn't love it because we had to wait for our people. Like, you know, it's a big table. And since we're four, we had to wait for two other families that were late. And, you know, our kids were starting to get a little bit antsy. So the experience of Timpanyaki for me wasn't the best, but my husband loved the food. He said like this for him, that's the best food on the ship. And then you said that you went to a Teppanyaki Wonderland and Chops. You had kind of an off night. Any like Sorrento's or the Cafe Promenade or anything like that? There were a couple of late night Sorrentos. I don't eat flour, so I don't eat pizza, obviously. So, um, but the family ate Sorrentos and they love it. They love it. And then usually the Cafe Promenade is like a late night dessert. Yeah. Like uh, they have little cups with like, you know, puddings in them and mm-hmm. maybe some cookies. And so they'll pass by. It's, you know, my 13 year old would tell me like after she would leave the teen club at 11 or 12 o'clock and pass by Cafe Promenade and grab a snack. Yeah, Nice. Well, how about the entertainment on board this six-night cruise? What did you think of it? The entertainment was fantastic. The two main shows, the one in 270 called The Book is really good. The shows in 270 are really eclectic, and it's mostly about like the visuals. And the visuals are absolutely beautiful. I mean, the music, the songs... The dancing, the acrobatics, you know, they've got people that are coming from the ceiling. It's all so impressive. You can go over and over again and sit in a different spot and have a completely different experience. And then they had like a main theater show that uh, I think it's called like The Effectors, which is superheroes, but they're like superheroes around visuals, like Pixel, who is a superhero who, you know, replicates herself and it's more like kind of like a video game and that was really good other than that like they had a couple of comedians one of the comedians was probably the funniest comedian i've ever seen not even just on a cruise ship i mean he was hilarious and the other comedian was also really good there's this tap show that i've seen i think i saw it on ovation i know i've seen it on another ship i'm not sure exactly which one but they're also very good yeah like like the theater music the theater shows were great and then you know just walking around the ship you know, in the pub, in the schooner bar where the pianist is, all really, really good. It's just great. Very good. Now, as far as like with the kids doing the bumper cars and did y'all go up in the, that pod, what is it, the North Star? We did. We went up in the North Star and that was fun. So we were supposed to go up in the North Star when we were in Costa Maya because I really wanted to see like the countryside and maybe some mountains and see Mexico. Unfortunately, we didn't get to Costa Maya because it was interesting. We ended up with a sea day because the waves were so high. They were coming over the gangway. Even when we docked, we got to Costa Maya, we docked there, but then we couldn't stay. And so we had to leave. So we ended up in North Star, not during a port day, but on a sea day. Gotcha. Now, as far as the ship with crowds and congestion during the sea days, how was that? And did you have any idea of what the capacity was for the ship? So it varied. Some people said we were at full capacity. 
some people said we were just short of full capacity down by like, you know, 300 people. So it was mm-hmm. pretty much full. You could tell. And I'm kind of like you, you know, I like to wake up in the morning and walk around the track before the sun comes up. And so I would be out there like at 630 doing my laps and, you know, the chair hogs were out there staking their claims. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. But yeah, those two C days, it was tough to find a chair, especially in like, like the solarium, you know, the adults only area. It was really hard to find a chair. I will say this about their pool deck, though. What I really like that they did on this ship is there's two pools, both of which are outside. Like a lot of the quantum class ships have an inside pool because they're made for cold weather, right? So there's an indoor pool. This one doesn't have an indoor pool, but the outdoor pool, the second outdoor pool is smaller. And that's where the movie screen is. And it's also much shadier. So if you can imagine, like if you want to go and see so they would play movies on the deck, even in the middle of the day, like like at one o'clock or 10 o'clock, but you weren't fighting people and people walking back and forth in front of you through the main pool deck. It was on this smaller outside pool and it was shady and it was quiet. So you could actually like enjoy the movie. Yeah. Very cool. Now, any um, like flow riding or the sky pad or anything like that? No flow writing. Skypad was like a, I, I don't know. I lost count how many times they went on the Skypad <laughs> um, and the bumper cars. I mean, those were big. Yeah, those are big favorites in, in my family. So Did you say, bumper cars, Skypad. How about um, skydiving? No, we've done iFly before mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm good. I, yeah. I, I'm <laughs> I good you. with it. Yeah, like they had a lot of really good things. Like they had a silent, you know, they have the hush silent disco. They had ones just for the family. That was also in the C-plex. So you didn't have to try and, you know, you didn't have to get there 45 minutes early to make sure you had a, you know, you got the headphones. So many really, really good activities. Plenty of family karaoke, you know, so the kids didn't have to, I didn't have to worry about what kind of karaoke songs were being played Mm -hmm. for them. Yeah, just like games and the new and improved both of them loved their new and improved programs, the new adventure ocean, which is really, you know, very free form. My eight year old loved and the teen area, which is called social One Eighty, is really, really nice. They have their own, like they have their own sun deck um, and they've got games up there and they posted every day what the schedule was. They both love their prospective, you know, kid programming. Nice. Very cool. So let's talk about the ports of call you did on this six-night cruise. Uh, You mentioned that you missed Costa Maya, but you did stop at Cozumel in Perfect Day. So how was your day over at Cozumel? Cozumel was good. Weather was really good. We did a chocolate, tequila, and honey tour. Um, That was fun for the kids. Like, the kids just, they just wanted chocolate and honey, right? So... They were happy. It wasn't like super engaging for them, but they were having sugar and food. And so it all worked out. And then we just came back. Like we just went to the tour. The tour was in the middle of the day. Uh So that's one thing I would say, like the timing could have been better because it was like 1130, which, you know, for my kids, like their clock goes off like 1130 when Jammer's open for lunch. But no, we're leaving. So we just made sure they had a good hearty snack before they left. And Uh then they were munching on, you know, like I said, food throughout the tour. So that worked out, but it was good. It was fun. You know, we were driving around. We drove all around Cozumel, even to the other side of the island. 
I learned about the history, learned about the Mayan people. It was interesting. Was this a tour that was booked through the ship or did you book it on your own? Yeah, no, this was a Royal Caribbean. Gotcha. And then you went to Perfect Day. How was that? We had a chilly day at Perfect Day. A front had come through and so it was sort of cloudy and like low 70s. So we kind of split up. I went with the little one and she didn't care if it was, it was kind of rainy, but she didn't care. She was in the pool. She was on the beach and had a great time. Walked around, but made it back to the ship by like lunchtime. And then my older one went out in the afternoon with my husband and just did like shopping, like straw market, got some snacks, just enjoyed it. I mean, the nice thing about Coco K is you can do whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, it's got something for everyone. We didn't buy like any excursions. I considered swimming with the pigs, Mm -hmm. uh, but my 13 year old was like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, (laughs) okay, fine. But no, and they're not like adrenaline junkies. So there was no throw water park or up, up and away, or it's just the pool and the beach. And some shopping, they're good. Were y'all the only ship in port? No, we were there with Symphony. Okay. And I don't know if it was because the weather wasn't great, but it was not full. Mm -hmm. Like there was still plenty of space. I mean, that is the one really good thing about the improvement. Like one of the things I really like about what they did since making it perfect day at Coco Cay is that you used to have to get off the ship. If you wanted a chase in the shade, like I knew where you needed to go. There was this one spot like on the other side of the island and you needed to be off the ship by like, you know, on one of the first tenders, right? To be sure that you got this area of chase Mm -hmm. lounges under the trees. But now there's like almost every chase has an umbrella and there's plenty of seating and you've got the pool and you've got the beach and I really like it. Yeah. Awesome. So you make your way back to Port Everglades to debark Odyssey after six nights. How was the disembarkation process? This was a little glitchy. So there were really long lines. Like we came down the aft elevators and I mean, the line was like looping all the way back to like 270. So we were probably in that line, maybe like 20, 30 minutes. And I don't know what was going on with that. It may have been that people... They had to be giving out masks because we didn't have to have any masks on board. But once you get to the terminal, it's like a federal transportation hub or whatever. So masks are required. So I saw at one point they were like scrambling to get boxes of masks for people because you weren't supposed to leave the ship without without a mask on. So maybe that was part of the holdup. I don't know. Gotcha. But it took it took us about 45 minutes to get off the ship. Gotcha. Any first time tips to offer sailing Royal Caribbean's Odyssey of the Seas? I would say there's so much to do. Really pick one or two things. You can't do it all and pick one or two things that you really don't want to miss. Like maybe you don't want to miss, you know, Skypad. Maybe you don't want to miss the book, but it is a big ship and there's so much to do. You can't possibly fit it all in that. And, you know, we did do the zone zero and I was not that impressed for the price. I didn't think it was worth it. So if it's something you just want to experience and you're willing to you know, pay the 30 bucks, that's fine. But I don't know. I wasn't impressed with it. What was Zone Zero? Was it like a virtual reality thing? Yeah, it's like a 4D virtual reality experience where you put on like a headset and basically almost like a computer on your back, on your hands and your legs. And you go in and you're in this virtual reality world and you can see the other people in your group as well. And it's kind of this like futuristic pirate ship where you're like fighting off these things that come onto the ship and 
there's supposed to be this little parrot that is guiding you. I couldn't even hear my parrot because my headset wasn't working. Oh, boy. But yeah, I just didn't, you know, you're supposed to learn how to steer the ship. And I don't know. I think if it was less, maybe it would be worth it. But I just didn't think it was worth the 30 bucks. You should have said something. He said, hey, give my 30 bucks back. My headset wasn't working. (laughs) Right? I know. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, very good. Well, looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise? You know, for me overall, the level of customer service on this ship was probably the best of any other royal ship that I've been on. And, you know, we did have kind of a series of unfortunate events the first day and a half. To the point where I had to go to guest services to say something. And the way they addressed it, the way that people wanted to make sure that our issues were taken care of. Like I said, we had a really not a great experience at Chops that first night. The Chops manager, you know, reached out to me. The coastal kitchen head waiter was talking to me about it. I was like, how can we make this right for you? It's just little things that people really want to make. I just felt like on this ship, people really wanted to make sure that we were having not just a good experience, but a great experience. Curious of your thoughts. Um, I didn't ask you this, but going back to the ship, um, the smoking situation in and around the casino, what were your thoughts there? You know what? I did not smell it at all. We walked through the casino one time and I didn't smell any smoke. And the casino... So there's this place called the Music Hall, which is where like they have a band, they do karaoke, they do other things. And the casino on these ships is sort of a little bit forward from the Music Hall. But there are doors that separate it from the Music Hall. And we spend a lot of time in the Music Hall. Never smelled smoke. Oh, good. That's positive. Well, in closing here, what are your final thoughts of Odyssey of the Seas? I think it's a great ship. So glad, you know, that we had the opportunity to sail on her. I think she's going to the med for the summer and then maybe she'll be back. But I love the Quantum Ultra class ships. They're probably our favorite class of Royal Caribbean ships. And if we have the opportunity to sail her again, Anthem may still be our favorite, but this is a if it is, this is a really close second. We've been talking with Crystal about her six-night cruise on Royal Caribbean's Odyssey of the Seas over to the Western Caribbean. Crystal, thank you so much for sharing your review. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Doug. And this is, oh, oh, boy. Oh, wow. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.